Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our reading this evening is taken from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39, which can be found on page 1003 of the Church Bibles. So that's Mark chapter 1, starting at verses 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who were ill and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak, because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Eloise. Hi, everyone. I'm Matt. I'm a member of staff here. Pleasure to be here again with you this evening. Now, um, to be honest, I wasn't expecting quite that reading. I was expecting only 35 to 39, so um, so I won't be speaking on that that first bit that was read out. Justin did a a more than adequate job on that last week, so um, uh, no need to sort of cover that ground. Um, Yeah, so just 35 to 39. Uh, this evening. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, uh, thanks for that song that we just sung. Thanks for some of the amazing things in there. Thanks that Jesus has words of eternal life. Lord, help us to hear them. Lord, we can't quite believe that you show your glory through the preaching of your word. Oh, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, please, might that be true this evening. Might we see your glory in Jesus. So help us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What are Jesus' priorities? This matters because we are called to follow him as Lord and Savior, and knowing his priorities will greatly affect if we want to follow him or not, if we want to commit to him. This is true in many areas of life. You go to visit a new school, or you go on a university open day, or you're looking at a company and thinking about whether to apply for a job there, and you're looking for what they're all about. What are their main things? Are you happy with those things? It's political party conference season at the moment. 
And these are times when the parties and the leaders, they set out their priorities. And they're hoping that we'll like them. And so we'll vote for them. Ultimately, this is true when you're getting married. You need to know what their priorities are in life if you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. Now, you may judge me for this, but I was watching Married at First Sight the other day. It's a terrible show. Um, and this, in this one, uh, the couple were just finding out about each other, and it became clear that the man spent hours every night gaming. That was a priority for him. In fact, I was also watching a bit of Love is Blind. <laughs> okay, okay, another similarly stupid show. Uh, but the same thing happened. The guy had to say, a big thing in my life is gaming. Now, rightly or wrongly, these women were surprised and not very happy about what they heard. When making a big commitment, you need to know what their priorities are. And for two reasons. One, it will tell you a lot about them. Two, you'll probably have to accept those priorities as well. Now, our passage here today is the day after an amazing day. Remember Mark 1, verses 21 to 34. It began with Jesus teaching with authority in a synagogue. And then he was opposed by a demon, but he casts the demon out, and people are even more amazed. And then his fame spreads. He heals Simon's mother-in-law. He heals loads of sick people from the town. He casts out even more demons. Everyone would have gone to bed that night buzzing. The crowds, the disciples, running it all over in their minds and all wondering, what will happen tomorrow? In our passage, we see what Jesus does next. He gets up very early to go away on his own to pray. And then he moves on to preach in other places. Both things are unexpected, but in this, we see what his priorities are. And this is what I think we'll learn. Jesus' personal priority is prayer, and his public priority is preaching. Jesus' personal priority is prayer, and his public priority is preaching. And I hope that in this, we'll see even more how special Jesus is, and why him prioritizing these things gives us even more reason to follow him. Okay. Well, first then, Jesus' personal priority is prayer. It's the next day. What would be the first thing? Would it be a lie-in? Or a big breakfast? Or a team meeting with the disciples? Or just get right out there again? Or is it some personal time first? And if so, what does he want to do in his personal time right at the beginning of the day? What would it be for you? What do you need to start the day right? Exercise? Breakfast? Cup of coffee? A bath? Or maybe just as much sleep as possible? Well, for Jesus, it's prayer. Time with his Father. Remember his baptism? And in 1 verse 11, 
We saw the relationship between the Father and the Son. From eternity past, they are one in perfect love and joy with each other. So after his first big day, does he rush back out to the crowds? No, he rushes back to his Father. Verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. It's early because he needs to avoid the crowds. He goes somewhere solitary because he wants to be on his own. He wants quality time to pray. Jesus knew that prayer was the most important thing for him. In his public preaching, he's going to be talking all about how you can have a relationship with God. But he's no hypocrite. In his own private life, it's all also about his own relationship with God. Jesus has a deep and special relationship with the Father. He prays like no one else ever prayed. Have you ever been impressed watching someone pray? Like they have this deepness in their relationship with God. Something special and you want to pray like them. Catherine and I talk about the uh, retired pastor at her home church, a man called Stephen Thompson. He's a quiet and unassuming man. Catherine was friends with his daughter and she'd go around there and, um, and it felt like he was always in prayer. Hours in prayer. And in conversation with him, you could just sense the deepness of his relationship with God. Well, Jesus would have had that, but more than anyone else who ever lived. He was the ultimate man of prayer. No wonder the disciples later asked to be taught to pray from him. I wonder what he was praying about. I don't know. It doesn't say. It wouldn't have been confession of sin. He was perfect. It might have been thanksgiving for everything that had gone on the day before. It might have been sort of more general praise. Maybe he was singing the Psalms. He might have been looking forward to what is to come, talking about the decisions he's about to make. He was a man of prayer. Now, in preparing this sermon, I had to constantly remind myself not to tell you all too soon to pray and preach like Jesus. It would have been so easy, such an easy application. Pray more. Proclaim the gospel more. And I will say something of that right at the end. But first, I want us all to dwell on this picture of Jesus as the ultimate man of prayer. Is this in our picture that we had of Jesus? When we read the Gospels slowly, we fill out our impression of him. He's not just a sort of two-dimensional uh, sort of miracle maker who ended up dying on the cross. He's, you fill it out in your minds. See his character. See his manner. See his personal priority of prayer. 
this makes me realize that he was probably someone who's um, comfortable being quiet. He could be still and calm. He valued time alone with God. He was self-disciplined. In my mind, prayerfulness connects to peacefulness and contentedness, which usually also leads on to gentleness and patience. Jesus probably the sort of person who would have said things like, let's not rush in, let's not panic, let's pray. Imagine what Jesus was like as a real person. And then him being the ultimate man of prayer should encourage us to follow him. That's the call of the gospel. And this shows us what sort of person we'll be following. He's not a hypocrite. It's real for him. He has the deepest, richest relationship with God. And we'll be following someone who will pray for us. It's always nice to know that someone's praying for us. But could there be anyone better to pray for us, to hold us in his prayers than Jesus. He prays for us. And he will teach us to pray. Christians, we're always a bit up and down, aren't we, in our enthusiasm as followers of Jesus. Well, why not dwell on him as the man of prayer? And see if that stirs your heart as you consider it. Take it home with you and think of it. For many of us, this will be a new part of the picture of Jesus. One we've not considered much of before. And for those just investigating, always, it's great to have you here. Please, put this piece into the picture as well that you're forming of Jesus. Jesus' personal priority is prayer. Okay, but then what about when he does get back to people uh, in front of everyone? What then? And this will be our second point. Jesus' public priority is preaching. Jesus' public priority is preaching. Verse 36, Simon and his companions went to look for him And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. The day before has been literally phenomenal. So many healings, all those casting out of demons. Everyone is hoping for more of the same. The disciples are, the crowds are. Come on, Jesus, let's get back to them. There are still some more people you didn't get around to healing yesterday. And he says, no. Now's the time to move on. I need to go and preach in other places. That's why he came. And that context, I think, is really important. There are presumably still some people 
waiting to be healed. And Jesus moves on. What does that show us? That Jesus believes his preaching is so important that it's better to move on and leave some people sick behind so that others can hear his message. What do you make of that? What if you were there? What if you were one of the sick people? How can preaching be that important? Well, here's the theory. You can decide for yourself if you think he made the right decision. He's preaching because there's a message to hear. And the message is good news of forgiveness of sins. And sin is so much more serious than sickness. You see, sin is our rejection of God and his rule over our life. Sickness is unpleasant and may even lead to death, but sin ruins lives and leads to hell. In fact, it was because of sin that sickness came into the world. So a message about forgiveness of sin is actually even more important for people to hear than receiving healing. And look, the healings, they are an act of love and kindness by Jesus. But primarily, they are illustrations. Illustrations of the message that people might understand what it is he came to do. They might understand what it is he's preaching. And so in the next section of Mark's gospel, Jesus will make this clear by moving his focus from sickness to a focus on sin. Next week, Rob will take us through that. But what do you make of it? Can we believe that? That sin is a bigger problem. That the message of forgiveness is better than a healing. For us. For our loved ones. For our loved ones who are sick. It's big, I know, but as I look around, I think it makes sense. Not just sickness, but all that suffering in the world. Hasn't the news this week just been so horrendous? So much suffering in this world is a direct result of sin, of human wickedness. And we're rightly trying to alleviate the suffering. But we need someone who can deal with the sin that causes it all. And in myself, I get sick sometimes. I was sick this week. But I sin all the time. And the wonder of the good news is that Jesus says, I'll deal with sin. And then when I come back, I'll deal with sickness too. He's not ignoring it. So this is what Jesus does. He he moves on. He goes preaching the message that must be heard. He goes to the villages, the smaller places. And you realize choosing to preach is actually 
uh, it's, it's less glamorous than doing the miracles. It's less exciting. In fact, it's harder in many ways. People won't like what they hear. He'll be opposed because of his preaching. But he prioritizes the harder thing because it's the more important thing. So he's preaching. And it says here that he's also driving out demons, end of verse 39. And you might ask, why is the demon stuff mentioned? Why is that so prominent? He didn't say that was his priority. Well, this is just like what happened yesterday. 1 verse 21, he was teaching, and it was amazing teaching, but then a demon opposed him. So Jesus drove out the demon, and people were even more amazed. And it seems driving out demons goes hand in hand with preaching because the devil wants to stop the preaching. And then the preaching is actually enhanced by the driving out of the demon. People listen more attentively. So Jesus' public priority is preaching because there's a message which needs to be heard. And this should also encourage us to follow him, I think. He's a man who knows his priorities and sticks to them. He's willing to focus on the most important thing, even if it's harder and more uncomfortable. And he speaks so well. He speaks with truth and clarity and authority. He speaks like no one else ever spoke. And he addresses what we know deep down is really our problem. And he says he's got good news for us. He says we can be forgiven. So will we follow him? Will we follow this preacher? That will mean taking on board what he preaches, taking his message And there's some uncomfortable stuff in there for us, the exposing of our sin. But there's wonderful stuff in the message too, the forgiveness of our sin. This preacher with this message is worth following. Jesus' public priority is preaching. So then finally, if we do follow him, let's really follow him. Let's let his priorities, in a sort of secondary sense, also be our priorities. Our personal priority should be prayer, and our public priority should be preaching. And by preaching, I mean all forms of sharing the gospel. So friends... Is prayer a priority for us? When we follow Jesus, a world of prayer is opened up to us. We come into that same relationship that Jesus has with the Father. God says to us what he says to Jesus, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And that is an invitation to pray. We get to pray. I've said it before here, and I'll say it again. It's not that we've got to pray. We get to pray. 
But let's be honest, where would prayer rank in our list of priorities? In an analysis of the time that we, we sort of have in our day, where would prayer be? And the following question is damning for me, and I guess for many of you as well. Do you pray more or watch TV more? Getting up early is not a command from Jesus, but you can see the sense in it. Finding a quiet place is not a command either, but I understand why he did it. On Tuesday, I went and sat under a tree in a field for half an hour and prayed, and it was great. But even just at home, get away from the distractions, radio off, phone in another room, and pray. Let's prioritize prayer. And then also, is sharing the gospel with others a priority? It's what those around us need most of all, even more than good health. For our friends, our parents, our children, will we speak to them about Jesus? They need to hear the message so that they can be saved. I recently heard about a man called Jeremy Marshall, a Christian man. He got cancer, and then he spent the last few years of his life speaking evangelistically, telling people why the good news of Jesus is still the most important thing for him. Through the pandemic, apparently, he was pretty much doing uh, two online talks a week for different churches. He was Zooming with individuals uh, to study the Bible together. He saw what to prioritize in the last years of his life. And he died just this August. The same questions can be asked for us as a church. What are our priorities? What defines us? I hope it is prayer and preaching. Prayer is probably agreed on. We all know it's good to pray. Our monthly prayer meetings here at church are good and well attended, but there could be more there. As a staff team, we've started beginning every day in 15 minutes of prayer, 9 a.m. in the coffee bar. It's been lovely having a few others join in if they're around. You're very welcome. That month of prayer that we had in January, do you remember that? That was good, wasn't it? I was glad to hear Johnny say this morning that we're probably going to be doing it again next January. Let's be a church family that prioritizes prayer. And preaching, that's a little more controversial. Not everyone likes it, nor the role it takes in church life. That outward focus on sharing the good news with people around us, putting on events guest services, courses, these really do matter. We do things to love and to bless our community. But speaking the message is the essential thing. Within our church family, this preaching on a Sunday it is the high point of our services. That's right, and it, it fits with the pattern throughout the Bible. We grow as we sit under the Word of God. And really, it's no controversial thing, either outwardly or inwardly, when the message being preached 
is such good news. It's a declaration again and again of grace, of salvation, of a king who came to save his people. It's a message we all need to hear. So let's follow him, encouraged by the fact that he was a man of prayer and preaching. And let's follow his example in prayer and preaching. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for sending your Son, Jesus, into the world. We praise you because he was the most extraordinary man. We praise you that he's our King and our Savior. And that he was a man of prayer. Thank you that he had that relationship with you. And prioritized prayer. And prays for us and teaches us to pray. Thank you that he was a man of preaching. Oh Lord, might we hear his preaching. Please Lord, help us to be people, all of us, whoever we are, in any situation, who love to hear the words of Jesus. Thank you Lord for what we've heard this evening. In his name we pray. Amen.